Genesis chapter 45. We are looking at the life of Joseph, and we've seen that he's gone from the pit to the palace, the journey through the life of Joseph. And I like that that picture is up there because it really brings us, that's what Joseph was seeing, you know, the pyramids and, and all of the paganism and the idolatry that was surrounding that Egyptian society. It's in that darkness that God chose to reveal his son. What a blessing that is. So what we have looked at so far is that Joseph is a type or a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are more than 250 specific details in Joseph's life that match the life of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's just a beautiful picture. Last week we saw what happens when true repentance comes. True repentance is an acknowledgement of your sin and the fact that you deserve to go to hell because you're a sinner. So let me say this. Don't, don't ever confuse this. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Uh, you don't go to hell because of what you do. You go to hell because of who you are. You don't go to heaven because of what you do. You go to heaven based on what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? One of the things that God hates in the Bible is, is Phariseeism. You know, the idea of one person exalting themselves over another. And man, we don't have anything to be proud of when it comes to our faith. It's all a gift. How can you be proud of a gift? Now, you can be proud of a gift, and we'll look at it here in a little while, and it's, look what they gave me. Amen? Remember my watch? My brother gave me this watch. It's a really nice watch. And so I, I, like, to, I like to do this. Oh, what time is it? I don't know if I can... If I can. <laughs> it, it's, and it's fun to... Somebody gave me this. That's different. That is completely different than pride and what God has done for us. I love what someone said. I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where I found bread. Amen? And doesn't that tie in with Joseph? His brothers had to come bow before him to receive bread. So now, they've come, they've repented. Remember what repentance is. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? So you can either be saved or lost. All of us are either saved or lost. Being saved is not a process whereby you begin, and by the time you're done with that process, somewhere along the way you're saved. No, salvation comes at a point in time when there is a transaction made. That transaction is that my sin is paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ when that blood is applied to my account. From that point on, I'm no longer lost. I'm not in the process of being saved. From that point on, I am born again eternally. And no one can ever take that away. Amen? But before that can happen, there has to be repentance. And Joseph has brought his brothers through, through testing them and trying them and scaring them. He's brought them to a place where they repented, where they acknowledged their sin and bowed before him.
Do you know what happens when we repent? He reveals himself to us. Genesis chapter 45. Let's read a few verses. Verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And yet there are five years in the which there shall be, there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. And the famine thereof was, or in the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for this beautiful image of salvation. Father, help us to know the truth of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you picture this scene? These guys are scared to death, and they're so guilty. They're, they're feeling, and they've had discussions about it, their guilt for having contributed to their brother Joseph's death. And now they find out he's not dead. He's not dead. And yet they were still afraid to come to him. Because he's the king. They, they sold him into slavery. What do you think they would do to him? Remember, we look at people and expect from people what we would give to them. Remember the story? Ravi Zacharias tells this story about two children in India. The little boy had a, a, a bunch of really pretty marbles, and his sister had a box of chocolates, and he wanted the chocolates. And so he said to his sister, I'll trade you the marbles, all the marbles, for all the chocolates. And she said, okay. Well, there were a few really special marbles that he really loved. 
So he kept those back, and he gave her the rest, and he got the chocolates. That night, as he was laying in bed, he thought, I wonder if she gave me all the chocolates. (laughs) Because you expect from people what you give to them. And so Joseph's brothers, even though they had repented, they were expecting from Joseph what they would have given him. Isn't it wonderful that God doesn't give us and repay us the way that we would repay others? And of course, that's why the Bible then says, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So now let's look at what happens when God reveals himself, when Jesus Christ reveals himself to you. You finally realize, you come to the point, and I want you to think about this for a second. Think about this. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that? You finally came to the place. It could have been in a church service. It could have been at home. It could have been a revival meeting. But whatever. You remember when you came to the point where you finally realized... I need a Savior. I need a Savior. And all of a sudden, look at what it says. Look at what the text says. Here's what happened. Look at verse 2. And he wept aloud. Oh, wait a minute. He said uh, in verse 1, And Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. I want you to think about this. Go back in your memory to when you got saved. For me, I remember walking an aisle when I was about six in Texas and got saved. But when I was 15, I was at a youth retreat and young people were giving testimonies about what God was doing in their life. And I just, I just was not seeing any of that in my life. And so I got on my face, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And I want you to remember when that happened for you. If it didn't happen for you, I hope it will today. But I want you to remember when that happened for you. All the rest of the world melted away, and it was just you and Jesus. Do you remember that? He made all the men go out, and it was just him just him do you know what we need to do we need to find some time to make it just you and Jesus again to come apart remember what Jesus Christ told his disciples come apart with me we need to get get back to where it's just us That, that simplicity of the faith that childlike trust that you had in the Lord Jesus Christ Isn't it amazing how life can creep in? Can anybody here testify that since you've been saved, life has creeped in? Anybody can say that? Isn't it wonderful just to take a minute like this and look back at what God has done in our lives and say, Lord, I remember that day that I met you. I remember that day. And you know what I'm thankful for? When I came home, I was 15. We'd come home from camp. We were at this camp in... Otis, Massachusetts, New England, Keswick. We were living in Wallingford, Connecticut. Dad was a pastor. And I went to my dad and I told him, Dad, I got saved. And I think the youth director even said, Tell your dad what you did. And I said, I, I, got, I got saved. I'm so glad my dad didn't say, 
You got saved when you were six. What are you talking about? Man, don't do that to your kids. Amen? Don't do that. I was there. I remember when you got saved. Man, you don't have any idea what was going on in that person's life. Even if you were there. My dad was so excited. You know what he said? Well, now you need to get baptized. Well, I'd already been baptized. But salvation comes, at, or baptism comes after salvation. Amen? And we didn't have a baptistry in our little church. And so we went to a, another church that had started across town, Heritage Baptist Church. And I remember going in Heritage Baptist Church and dad baptizing me. That pastor let my dad come in, baptize me in that church. Can you tell that it's still real to me? I want to be sure that, and I don't know that you could do this every day. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know that you could, but periodically get back to the place where it's just you and Jesus Christ like it was the day that he saved you. But then look at the next thing that happens. And I think this is, this is so important. After he reveals himself, look at the first thing that he says to them. In verse 3, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Now let me say this. He reveals himself. Before I tell you the first thing that he said, before we talk about that, do you remember the first time that you really realized it was him? Remember after you got saved, you had to go and tell somebody, now I understand what you were trying to tell me. Now I get it. He's He's Lord. He's my Savior. Now I understand. Brother Dave, I remember Dave McCracken. He always used to tell us this way. When he was teaching me how to lead someone to Christ, I remember him saying, there's nothing better than talking to somebody and you see their light come on. They get it. They get it. And that's such a wonderful thing. And Jesus Christ, when he saves you, he begins to reveal himself to you. And you got to tell somebody. How many of you, you remember? Now, some of you, you're just not talkative. Some of you, we can't stop you from talking. But how many of you remember when you really got saved and you had to go and tell somebody? Remember that? Remember Steve Baker giving us his testimony? Our missionary, Steve Baker, he was 25. And he woke up. He was a methamphetamine addict. And he woke up on a jail cell, jail cell floor. And he had heard the gospel when he was eight. And he asked Jesus Christ to save him right there. He placed his faith and trust in Christ alone. The first thing he did when he got out of jail, he went and called his grandma, who had been praying for him since he was eight. And he said, Grandma, I got saved. <laughs> I got saved. And she was having some kind of a little tea party or something. And he could hear her running around to her friends screaming, Stevie got saved! Stevie got saved! Just throwing a fit. Do you remember that? The reality of the new birth and the change that took place as he begins to reveal himself. But look at the first thing that he says to his brothers. Verse 3, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? Man, don't miss this. Do you know the first thing that God reveals to us? when we're saved, that he wants us to know. The first thing that Christ, through the Holy Spirit, begins to reveal to us 
It's not about you. It's about the Father. Remember, he did it all for the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. Over and over and over and over in the Scriptures. To the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. See, we in this Laodicean age, remember what Laodicea, the church of Laodiceans, remember what that means? Rights of the people. It's all about me. I'm going to go to a church where I can get my oil changed. They give me pony rides. They do all this stuff for me. Right? Everything's got to be just right. What do you have for my kids? Oh, we have the Bible. No, no, I mean, really, what do you have for the kids? And a hush fell on the congregation. You see, it's all about God. If all we did at Grace Baptist Church was gather together every week and just talk about God, that'd be a great church. Amen? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. I remember I was talking to a preacher one time, and he had preached something that was doctrinally incorrect. And I know that this will shock you, but I pointed it out to him. And so we were... We were talking. We're driving on the road. This will shock you, too. We were going to play golf. But we, and we were going to Indianapolis to play golf. So we had a long ride. And I took him through the scriptures, and I showed him where he was wrong. And listen to what he said. Are you telling me that I've been preaching it wrong for 30 years? And I said, what does that have to do with the conversation? We're not talking about you. We were talking about God's word and how we express God's word. It's not about me. It's about him and your salvation, even though it's so cool that you get to be saved. Amen. Do you know that your salvation is not about you? It's about you fulfilling the purpose for which you were created, which is to glorify him. You see, when you get saved, the significance of your salvation is not to you. The significance of your salvation is to God because there's one more person to proclaim his glory. Amen. Now, now, now look, if that doesn't appeal to you, you're not going to enjoy heaven. Do you know what we're going to do in heaven day and night? Glory to God in the highest. Amen. That's what our life is going to be. How about we start practicing that now? That's the first thing God wants us to know when we get saved. It's about him. And you know the good thing about God? When we give him the glory, he gives us amazing blessings. The first blessing that we get is eternal life. That's pretty good. Amen? All right, so now, that's the first thing. Then look at the next thing that happens. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Do you know when you really see who Jesus Christ is and you get saved? All of a sudden you realize, now you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And now you realize, here's this great Savior. I'm kind of dirty. And, and you can be afraid to approach him. So look at the second thing that he says. Look at verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me. I pray you. And they came near. Do you know what Jesus Christ does? The first thing that he does is he shows you the Father. And the second thing that he does is he says, come near. Come near. 
Can I ask you a question? Are you close to Jesus Christ right now? Are you close to Him? Think about it this way. Think about your spouse. You know when there's a problem between you and your spouse. Um, how you doing, Lord? I'm fine. Really? How's your day? Fine. Right? You know when things just aren't quite right between you and your spouse. The problem is with our relationship with Jesus Christ and our closeness to Him, many times we can be so distracted by the world we don't even recognize that we're not close. Now, like, like our marriage, Laura and I, after our first year of marriage, man, I thought everything was great. This is awesome. I got somebody to cook for me and clean for me. She's good looking. This is great. Come to find out, she was having a really hard time. And you know what I learned? This has helped me a lot in ministry. Most husbands are oblivious. And all the ladies said, amen. I had to learn some things. I had to learn some things. And I came home from, I'd been gone for a week or two selling. And I came home, had, Laura had a special dinner for me. We ate dinner, and my buddy lived in the apartment upstairs. I said, I'm going to go up and see Mike for a little while. How many of you have heard that Tim Hawkins song, The Things You Don't Say to Your Wife? Have you ever heard that? I've said almost all of those. Okay? Well, I had to learn about closeness. And <laughs> I've not arrived. But I know more than I did 20 years ago. Now, as you look at your relationship with your spouse, I want you to think about those same concepts because you are the bride of Christ. And He wants you to be close to Him. Is there anything between you and the Lord right now? And you're afraid to go to Him because of that? You know what He says to you? Come near me. Come near me. Then, look at what happens. Verse 5. <clears throat> now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Um, these brothers are terrified. They're terrified. But whose heart is filled with joy? Joseph's. You know that nobody is happier when you get saved than Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's another one to praise the Father. There's another song. There's another voice to sing the song in the choir. There's another voice for the song of the redeemed. He is so excited that you've come to him. So excited. And yet what we do is we remember all the stuff that we did before we realized who he was. Do you know what he says right here? Look at what it says. Verse 5. Middle of the verse. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Do you know that when Jesus Christ came, He died for your sin, knowing 
exactly what sins you would commit before you ever committed them. How cool is that? He knows you, he loves you, and he still died on the cross for you. He knows all about that stuff that you are afraid of. So you repent and you come to him acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Then you know what he tells you? All that stuff? Forget about it. I knew about it before you knew who I was. Joseph knew who his brothers were. Remember what it says in chapter 42? He hid himself from them. He acted strangely before him. They knew him, but he didn't, but they didn't know he knew them. They didn't know him. And he knows you. He knows you. Hey guys, have you ever tried to pull something over on your wife? And she's just looking at you. Do I have stupid written right here? How many, honestly, guys, testify. How many of you have ever experienced that right there? Yeah, I know. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Listen, I, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he knows us. He loves us. Forget about that stuff. He knew everything that we had ever done. He knows everything that you ever will do. And he still wants you to come near to him. He loves you. He loves you. There's another thing that we need to learn right here, and it's so important. The question of who put Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, there's a song that says, I did it. No, you didn't do it. God did it. God did it. You see, Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before man was created, the decision was made for Jesus Christ to die for them. Amen? He was going to die if you had never been born. Now, the simple fact of the matter is, he died for you. And he chose to do that. Why? To give you life. You see what it says here? For God did send me before you to preserve life. That's what he had come to do. Praise God. Um, then... Oh, let me read this. This is from James Knox. If the devil can't keep you from realizing you're a sinner, he will keep you from coming to Jesus. If he can't keep you from coming to Jesus, he'll try to keep you from drawing nigh unto Jesus. If he can't keep you from drawing nigh unto Jesus, he will try to keep you grieved over past sins, wasted years, instead of realizing that Jesus has already gone before you and washed it all away with his precious blood. Amen? It is so true. Don't be angry with yourself. Long before you sinned, Jesus Christ paid for it. Now, look at verse 6 again. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. So God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great... Deliverance. Do you know that your salvation is a great deliverance? And Jesus Christ came beforehand to give you a great deliverance. You know what he says? Life has been hard and life will be hard some more. But I'm going to deliver you. I'm there. Do you know that Jesus Christ not only saved you from the past, he has saved you in the future. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen? 
Isn't that wonderful? All right, just a couple of other things. If, you're, if you have not been here for the first part of this series, and you're saying, Brother Alter, this is kind of about Joseph, and you're talking about salvation. Man, you need to get the other CDs. That's all I can say. Um, great deliverance. I am able to preserve you until the last day of trouble is done. Don't just do, don't just come to me. Don't just do this. Don't, don't just repent. Realize that I have a life that's prepared for you. Look to the future. Um, then, look at verse 9. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Now, you ready for this? Do you know what God does? Jesus Christ, you, you repent. Jesus Christ saves you. He tells you it's about God. He reveals himself to you. He calls you to draw close to him. He promises you protection in the future. He tells you all that sin, all that stuff that you did, forget about it. God had a plan. I love you. I've got a plan for you. But that's not all. He says, go tell somebody else about me. Go tell me that the son, go tell someone that the son is on the throne and if you'll come down to him, he will give you life. Does that sound anything like what we're supposed to do? And look at the message you're supposed to tell them. Here's what people say. Man, I can't preach. I can't stand up there like Pastor Jim and talk for three hours. I, I can't do that. I can't teach a Sunday school lesson. Well, can you tell what happened to you? And that's exactly what he tells his brothers to do. Go tell them that you've met the one on the throne... You've bowed before him, and he's given you life. Go tell them that. Can you tell someone what's happened to you? That you realize that you're a sinner deserving hell. That you realize that Jesus Christ, yeah, he died for the sins of the world, but he died for me too. He paid for my sin. He didn't just pay for their sin. He paid for my sin. You can tell somebody that. Then you can tell them, hey, look, if you'll come to him, he'll give you life too. He'll give you life too. You can tell somebody. Then look at what the text says. Verse 10, And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast. You know what I can tell you? I can come. I can come to Nathaniel and tell Nathaniel, Nathaniel, if you'll bow before the Lord, if you'll trust him as Savior, do you know what will happen? Your kids can come to know Jesus. Cohen can know Jesus. And this is, this is, let me think. And Naomi can know Jesus. Amen? Can you believe I remembered that? I didn't. Carol's in the back going, I am so glad, though. And it is so true. i got to confess my sin, you know. Uh, it, is so, it is so true that I can tell Nathaniel, if you'll come and bow before Jesus, your family can be safe too. That's good stuff. <laughs> that is good stuff. But then, what did Jesus Christ say? John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and gather you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that right? 
What's happening here? He prepared a place for them. Not only do we have a prepared place for us in the future, isn't that awesome? We get to, there's a mansion that he's preparing for me. But Joseph prepared a separated place for them in Egypt. Do you know that you and I can live a separated life in this present world through the power of the Holy Spirit? We can have a happy home. We can have a peaceful home. We can have a godly home in the midst of this present darkness. Amen? We can do that. We can live godly, soberly, righteously in this present world. That's what the Bible says. Remember what he said to those in Pergamos? He said, there are some of you that haven't bowed the knee. I know where you live, where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth. He said, look, in the middle of Satan's kingdom, you can have a righteous and a holy life. That is awesome. You know what he said? And I'm going to protect you and preserve you for as long as you live. That's what the text says. That's what Joseph did for his brethren. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Anybody here, you're saved? You know for sure you died today, you're saved. You're absolutely sure you're born again. Well, you know what? He wants you to remember it's about the Father, not about you. Then he wants you to come near to him. He wants you to forget about your past sin because it's under the blood. And he wants you, listen, he wants you to tell someone else what he's done for you. He wants you to have a place that's holy, that's separate, that's godly in this world. You can have all that. If you've never come to that point, remember we talked about it. There's a point. Before this, I was lost. Now I'm saved. If you've not come to that point, come to it today. You can walk home a child of God, an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father,